Let me invite you to take your Bible today and turn to Matthew chapter 13. I will be there in a few moments. Today is a special and unique day that we have set aside as a church family to joyfully and cheerfully, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, to give towards a church project here at Eastland Baptist Church. Over the years on this day and on the commitments made on this day, we have given literally millions of dollars um, of our life and time to make church like this possible. Um, we've paid for this building recently. We've paid it off in great measure because of all the interest we saved on the offering that we did take that we retired a little bit ago, the vision offering, the building fund. Um, and we have made great things possible that would not otherwise be possible because of, of this day. We have recently paid off all the debt that Eastland has incurred in building this facility that we're in today and so much more of what you see around the property. But of course the I Love My Church project offering will continue and we'll take that tonight. This is not an offering that we take, that we press or push. This is a truly, this is an offering. This is a, something we do that's fun and joyful. We do this out of the abundance of our heart. This is not out of obedience, not any kind of like um, even obedience or um, necessity. We do this because we want to. We, we, because it, we do it because it's fun to do. We do this because it's more blessed to give than receive. And because of the memories made in the way that we do it. This year we are purchasing the expansion of space. <laughs> and by that I mean parking space. So for those wondering about the theme out there, there's a very loose connection we're making. With last year's offering, we were able to purchase the old bar property that was over here. That had been a prayer request of Eastland Baptist Church for years. That was a rough and tumble old bar that created lots of problems for us. It was grandfathered in in terms of proximity to the church. But when uh, we had the opportunity, we, were, we had the chance to buy that. We did. We were able to do that in great measure because of the generosity of you all on a day like today. And of course now we're making uh, preparation to build 98 more parking spaces over here. And of course we're doing this because every Sunday here is a press for parking and this will allow us to park guests and honor our seniors and like moms with small children to be closer to the building and it's just going to be a help. You know over the years we use this project offering to do so much but this year the parking lot but more than just the parking lot. We're going to be adding new lights all around the property and that'll be a great blessing in the evening. Um, we are going to be able to do uh, really all new landscaping in the front and on the sides of the building. I think this is going to really beautify our property. We've had lots of people who stop by who just say, hey, the property is pretty. We want to express appreciation. We've had guests here who said, man, the property is beautiful. Something must be happening. And, and so that kind of outward visibility gives us some inward viability with people. And, and I think that's good. Um, we are going to put in, for all those with little ones, a toddler or preschool expansion on the playground set outside. That is a very busy place uh, after services. And so we, we uh, recognize that sometimes bigger kids can run over smaller kids. So we'll be expanding out this way with a whole new preschool section. We're going to be revamping and updating all the current stuff there to bring it up to date. And we may even put a new blade sign in, you know, depending on the offering. So there's a lot happening because of today. Um, as a church family, because of the generosity and the way you tithe, we have already set aside about 275000 for this project. Um, we spent part of that on just, of course, the city's expenses of us. But to be in that position already is, is just, it's just, it's new for us. It's kind of neat. You know, it brings a smile on my face to have all the money in advance. And we're hoping to have the majority of this paid for before we ever have to 
uh, get it, you know, completed. So that's super exciting. Of course, our, the tithe money that you also faithfully give, and I, I would encourage everyone to be a faithful tither. That's, that's just biblical, it's right. All of us should give to what we participate in. Um, you know, we maintain the building, we, we, we keep things in good operational order, we, we do all the things we need to. But you know, when you give um, here, I say this so often, it's not, it's not about the building, but we, we build buildings because of what happens inside of them. And I say it often, and I don't want it to become cliche or you hear it too often. It's what we're doing right now. It's the music we just heard. It's, it's the joy we'll have in here. It's the relationships we build. It's the weddings we have. It's all the, the beautiful, wonderful, faith-filled things, how we worship God here together. You know, the Bible says we're two or three more of them gathered together in my name, then He's there with us. And it's what we accomplish in all of that. When we say we love our church, we're talking about we love people. We love the people that God loves. I love my church is a demonstration of our love for God and for each other. And for the people who will come one day that we may never see or know. You know, the Word of God likens a church, and I mean the people in it, to like jewels. I'll use the word treasure today. And this treasure, this, this place, Eastland Baptist Church, is a tool that God uses to advance and preserve His kingdom on this earth. And I believe it's worthy of our investment. If yes, our sacrifice and our joyful giving. And so I think one way we can do that is by making sure we're laying up treasures in heaven. You know, the, the story of the barn builder in Luke chapter 12, he was admonished because he, he was not rich towards God. He just kept build, building bigger and bigger barns. It's not wrong to have barns. It's just wrong to have them in exclusion of being generous towards God. And so with that in mind, I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. We'll read three verses together. And we're going to talk about how to make a better choice with not just money, but everything that God has entrusted us with. So Jesus here is in the midst of telling a number of parables. Remember, parables is just a story. They are kind of an illustration to get across the spiritual truth. Para means to draw alongside. So Jesus is telling a story that draws alongside a truth so we can understand and see the truth in a better light, in a better way. And so He's telling us about the kingdom of heaven, the work of God, if you will, the time here on earth before He comes back again. And he says this in verse number 44 of chapter 13. And again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field, of course, that the treasure is in. And again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he hath found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time together. And I pray in the next few moments, Lord, that we would um, understand, Lord, the, the priority of your heart. Lord, what we're doing. And, and, and be considerate with, with our money, our time, our life, our health. And Lord, we'd make the better choice with it. That we would invest in that which is truly treasure. And I'm going to ask for your help with this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. I always appreciate you doing that. In ancient Palestinian culture, and by that I mean the culture of the Middle East primarily, it was a common practice to safeguard valuables. Um, and by the way, people didn't have as many valuables as we might have today. So what little valuable things they have were pressured to them. It was a practice to you know, put forth effort to safeguard them. And so often people, you know, they wouldn't have safes or banks or safe deposit box like we had today. 
um, the, the, the best choice they really had was to hide their treasure. And so people often did that. They had something valuable that they would hide it. And of course, one of the easiest ways to hide treasure was to, was to put it in the ground. And of course, you know, in time, the ground would conceal where the treasure was hid and they would maybe have a map or they would know where it was at. But this was done because of threats. And of course, in the ancient world, there's all kinds of threats. There were travelers who were passing through. Of course, there were thieves, as, as there are in every generation. There were enemies who might come in and encroach in a, in a place who might recede in time where they could recover a treasure. And so they buried treasure, literally. This practice was so common that there were actually laws about finding treasure. And uh, if you did, the processes you had to go to secure that treasure to become your own. It was against this backdrop and practice that Jesus tells the story that we have read, or these two parables that we've read this morning. And it goes something like this. This is the way it might have been told in a different way, paraphrase. A man was walking through a field one day. We don't know where he's going, maybe home or to the business, the market. Maybe he had purchased a new field and was just checking out the field. He was walking alone when suddenly a glimmer caught his eye. There was something in the field that caught his attention that was different than the things he had seen before. Upon investigation, that glitter began to be dug up. And all of a sudden, he saw something that captured his heart and his mind. He discovered to his delight a great fortune, a treasure left by someone else who had now vacated that. Upon this discovery, he saw an opportunity. And the opportunity was so great that he quickly, and you would understand this, I think, he quickly reburied the treasure so no other would find it. And he went home. And this is where much of the instruction of the text comes from. And he gathered up everything he had. Okay? Everything. And the Bible says in the parable that he sold them. And he sold all he had. Now, he does not yet have possession of the treasure because there were laws about that. But he sold everything he had. And then, according to the law and the tradition, he took that money, I think all the things he ever possessed, and he sold them all to go purchase the field. Because purchasing the field was the prerequisite to owning the treasure inside of it. And so he sold all he had to gain the field so he could have the treasure. Because of his short-term sacrifice, he could now enjoy that treasure and all the benefits and the blessings that it would provide him. He gained at some loss, okay, the selling of everything, a greater and surpassing treasure. Now, y'all with me on that? He gained through a temporary loss, and it may have been painful at that moment. He gained through that sacrifice a far greater treasure, and the Bible commends gaining something uh, that is worth more than what we are losing to gain it. Now, this story is told not to teach us, or I guess in part to teach us, that there are some valuable things that, uh, that we should want to possess that even if it costs us everything, we should make that exchange. Now, some suggest that this parable is speaking about God's point of view towards us, that we are the treasure, we are the pearl of that price, and that God laid down His life. He gave everything He had on the cross to secure us His 
treasure. And certainly there is some truth to that. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor, that ye through His poverty might be rich. So in a way, that's absolutely true. Jesus does look at us as uh, the pearl of great price. For God so loved the world, speaking of us, the people in it, that He laid down His life. Others suggest that it is Christ and God Himself who is the treasure, and that we should see Him as so valuable that we're willing to lay down everything to secure a relationship with Him. We should lose our pride, we should lose ourselves, we should lose personal ambition, we should repent, so to speak, to gain Christ. In Luke chapter 14, verses 26-27, God tells us that our love and desire for Him should exceed our love for everything else. Mother, father, family, everything, all should be willing to be sacrificed for serving Christ. Now, both thoughts are equally true, and debate either is to simply argue a truth that is stated elsewhere in Scripture. But the main point is something that I don't want us to miss in the light and the context of our day today. And it is this there are some things worth having that even if they cost us everything, we should purchase them. There are some things that are more valuable than anything else we can have. Now, I think this truth is understandable and relatable to us in so many ways. Okay, let me, let me use some illustrations here. Today, you have the possessions that you have. Let's say today that you went and found out that you had an, uh, a disease that was life-threatening. Okay. Now, it can be cured with a pill or a shot or a procedure. But let's say there's a price tag attached to that cure. Are you with me on that? You're presented having stuff in your garage and dying in two weeks or taking the cure and living. Okay, now what choice are you going to make? Well, that's a simple exchange, isn't it? I'm going to sell some toys in my garage or the cars I have in exchange for life and health. That is a greater gain. That's an easy exchange to make. Uh, and the question, would you be willing to part with the money? I think most of us would say yes. What about your children? What, what if someone kidnapped a child and uh, or grandchild and asked for a ransom? <laughs> Depending on the child, we're probably going to pay that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I have different kids than you have, so <laughs> yeah, that's an easy trade. I'm going to possess that of greater value, no matter if it costs me this, this short term loss over here. What if we had the advantage of insider trading? Let's say there's a property down the road from you that you found out, uh, you know, a highway is going to go in or some stores are going to go in there, and you found that out. It was $1,000 an acre, and you could sell some things to buy 10 acres of it, and in the future it would go for $50,000 an acre. Wouldn't many of us take advantage of that? Why? Because of the greater gain than the loss. You see, the principle is not hard to understand. The problem is, is we are short-sighted. Our valuing system is off-kilter. Uh, we don't have the ability to appreciate what that, might, that sacrifice today might bring us in the future. So Jesus is telling us that there is something that He is offering to us that is worth our willingness to sell all we have to obtain. 
And then I, I would be remiss if I didn't say this. The most important thing in life that everyone in this room should secure is their own personal salvation. What good is it to gain the whole world and for a man to lose his soul? The cost has already been paid uh, on, the, on the cross by Jesus Christ, but you and I do have to be willing to die in a way in order to gain what He is offering. We have to be willing to, to repent. We have to be willing to change our lifestyle, not because the lifestyle secures our salvation, but because what obedience to Christ demands. Uh, we, it might cost you something to follow Christ, and the Bible is full of that illusion that we have to change ourselves in that way. It might cost lifestyle, your image, uh, your status, or what you might perceive as fun. But Jesus said that we are to consider these exchanges in life. It's better to forsake all and follow Christ than to have all the material possessions of the world and to lose one's own eternal soul. And so gain this respect and loss have to be viewed in terms of what is greater. Choosing to hold on to the things of lesser value makes no sense when a greater gain can be obtained in time. In gaining there's always a measure of loss. That's a principle we need to understand. A second thought is this, is the principle is also true in the way we pursue our lives and live them, not just spiritually, obtain salvation, but in all of life. Some men fail to recognize that the greatest thing you can do with your life is serve the Lord Jesus Christ. I would look at every young person here today and have the advantage of being older than you. I would say this, that looking back, I, I don't have one regret not this small, not this big, forever serving Christ. I don't think I've missed out on anything. Matter of fact, I've just, I've had a life that's uh, full of abundance and joy and happiness. Uh, I don't think I'm missing anything in this world by serving Christ. I'm going to tell you it is more important to serve Christ than anything else you can do. It's more rewarding. It's happier. It's more joy-filled. There's less regret in serving Christ. It's the greatest treasure you could ever have. There's so many things this world tells us that, that we could have instead, and it's not worth it. What Jesus is plainly teaching is that life is more and it's bigger and it's grander. And it's in Him we're going to find the greatest life. And trying to hold on to stuff and material possession will not bring you greater happiness. This principle is true in terms of finances. There are some things of such value um, <clears throat> that we need to learn to make changes for. But some people never do. Okay, there's this, there's this treasure. We have this house. And this guy sold it all to get that. Sometimes we think, well, I, I just, I, you know, I don't want to lose anything. We're, we're people of immediate gratification. We want, we spend all we have now and today. And we never think about tomorrow or eternity. That's why some people have no savings. That's why some people have no retirement. That's why some people aren't going to have any treasure in heaven because he just keeps spending it all on today. 1 Timothy 6 says, but they that will be rich, and stop thinking like a bunch of material thing, possessions, think just being satisfied today. I gotta have it all today. Those who would be rich, spend it all today, fall into temptation and a snare and to many foolish and hurtful lusts. We are controlled or drawn into destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil. And while some have covered after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. And that's not an equitable trade. That's not a good way to spend our finances, is spend it all in the moment, not thinking there's a future day when we get older or a future day in eternity. 
this illustration, just, I've never forgot it. I've shared this pulpit numbers of times. Have, have, having had seven children and now grandchildren, I'm, I'm watching this all over again. Um, little Ava comes to church every day and she has like a quarter. And I remember my kids having a quarter when they came to church. This was supposed to be given for missions on Sunday, but sometimes they used it for other purposes. What they learned in time is that a nickel or a dime or a quarter could be used and exchanged for something of greater value. Here's the coin. It has some value, but Jolly Ranchers are of greater value. <laughs> right? <laughs> so they exchange something of lesser value for something of greater value, the candy, the gum, the Jolly Rancher, whatever else. They equated that coin with the ability to purchase something that, that brought them happiness. But here's what's funny. I could come to them as a father, and I'm going to say two or three years old, and I could say, and they have a quarter in hand, hey, can I give you a dollar bill for that quarter? And their reaction was, no way. No way. Why would they say no way? They had learned that quarter bought them a Jolly Rancher, and they didn't know what a dollar could do. Their understanding was limited. They didn't have the larger intellect and vision that you have. I will always exchange nickels for dollars. But where they were, they, they wouldn't. Look here. They held on to the nickels when dollar bills were in view. If we had the ability to draw back the veil of heaven, you would give your nickels for that. Okay, not preacher speech. That's real. That's why Jesus tells us over and over, don't just lay up treasures for yourself on earth, but think about treasures in heaven. You and I can literally trade the pennies, and I mean that in comparison, for a future reality of heaven one day. I don't know how the heaven, treasure of heaven is going to work. I just know that God said we're going to reward for what we invest in, in the kingdom of God. And, and that's just not money. That's life and time and everything else. We have to think that way. We can't be children spiritually. But too often we're like that. We hold treasures in our hand and will not exchange it for other people's happiness and blessing, for other people's benefit. And the Bible says that when you give to others, you're giving to the Lord Himself. You're lending to the Lord. And He's never slack to repay. I want you to think about these principles today. Number one. The greatest treasures in life sometimes takes a little bit of discovery. Some are intuitive, but not all of them are. Some treasures take some discovery. In verse 44, first part of that, uh, part A, there's a man who discovers. He discovers a treasure. He, he wasn't looking for it necessarily, but he found it in examining the field. History and legend is filled with the discovery of hidden treasure. Whether it be gold or oil, sunken or buried treasure, there's something captivating about discovering a treasure. When I was a kid, my dad bought me a metal detector. And I have such vivid memories of that metal detector. Those days, it was, you know, it was pretty old. And it was this metal box. And of course, it had the, the, the detector part down here to detect the metal. And I remember he bought that. I was so excited about that. And I was going to go find treasure. And so it was my backyard. And I started looking for it. Um, and I looked and looked, and I found mostly tin cans and things like that. I never found any treasure, but man, I had a lot of fun looking. You know the problem with our looking for treasure 
is that we often spend time looking for it in the wrong places. Now, I will say there's, a, there's sometimes that's not always true. I found a, I read a story this week about an older couple who had a dog and they had bought this home out somewhere in California and they had lived there for a number of months and they went out one day to see the dog digging. Anybody have a diggy dog before? And they went out to begin to really feel in the hole and they saw something shiny in there and they found about $3 million of gold coins there. So sometimes you do find treasure in your backyard, but that's not the norm. You see, my backyard for me was not the place to find treasure. I needed to look in other places. And sometimes that's true of life. We tend to look for treasure in places that really only has junk. You know, we look for treasure in materialism. We look for it on Wall Street. We look for treasure in our careers. None of these things are of no value, but just lesser. We look for it in car and clothes and something else we can consume and spend in the day. But the truth is life's greatest treasures are sometimes even closer and maybe a little deeper. And though they should be more obvious, we fail to discover the treasures that are closest to us. I have stuff in my garage. I have stuff in my home. But the greater treasures are the people who live in the bedrooms of my home, or did. People. People are treasure. Relationships are treasure. And sometimes we spend far less time looking for that treasure in people than we should. We spend more time pursuing a thousand things and building more friendships. You know, we just get, get, get at things that don't satisfy, but a friendship, a relationship, the one with our spouse and our children, our grandchildren, and each other's friends, that's treasure. Our health's a treasure. We ought not forsake. But to our purpose today, I want to suggest to you that this is a treasure. And you know, we're only here a limited amount of time, but I, I want to suggest to you that you, you might find something in your life might be more meaningful, and, and you might even find direction for life if you looked here. And by here, I mean here. And serving people, loving people. Relationship, you can become a millionaire and nothing's stopping you from doing that. You can be the richest person in the world in relationships if you simply tried, if you invested in people and something like this. We often fail to recognize and appreciate the things right under our feet every day, like a wife, a husband, a child, a friend. Well, at least till they're gone, then we sometimes we figure it out. It's for this reason, and this failure to recognize, we're to look for treasure that Jesus is saying, hey, stop looking for monetary treasure, political treasure, tangible treasure. But Jesus said this, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that we should desire. It's people and God. You see, what fascinates people about treasure is that we believe it has the ability to give us something that we don't have. Right? If I have this, I'll be happy. If I have that, I'll be happy. And that may be true for a short duration, but not long term. But people and God can bring about abiding happiness. And some people never discover that. The man who discovers Christ and a life yielded to him and gives himself to accomplish God's purpose discovers a life of true meaning, satisfaction, happiness, and joy. And the more you invest there, the more you're going to get. The second treasure principle is this. Okay, this is where it gets sticky. In order to have, you have to give away first. In order to have, 
you have to give away first. I think this morning, and I'm looking at I, this morning, I played the piano for us. And those who don't know, I is Japanese, so AI, not II. Anyway, <laughs> I, over here, played the piano. She does so beautifully, doesn't she? It's amazing. And she has a gift. How'd she get the gift? She gave to get the gift. If I ask I, calculate the hours of practice, or maybe parents investing in her practice. Was there something given before something was gained? And by the way, the gain isn't just hers. Her gain is also our gain. You have to give to gain. Those who go to the gym and become stronger, big muscles, you give in order to gain. Is that not true? You sacrifice, you work hard, you sweat, you know, to have the Atlas bod. There's a giving to get. Anyone who has a retirement here today, you had to do what before you get one day? Give. It's true in every area of life. Education, to join the benefits of education, you have to give yourself to the study, to sports or music. There's practice before the benefit. Investment, there's monthly expenditures. Family, there is the expense of time. And some people will never have because they never give. Some people will never have a friend because they refuse to be friendly. Some people never have relationships because they won't engage. In our story, the man who discovered the treasure had to be willing to sell all he had to get the greater treasure. In other words, he had to sacrifice. He had to give something to get something. There's a price to pay to have the greater more durable treasure. But all too often we're unwilling to make the sacrifice. All too often we make poor exchanges in life. Bad habits for health, pleasure for purity, selfishness for satisfaction, stuff for significance, and a momentary pleasure rather than an abiding, lasting one. That's why Jesus says, you know, what profit is it for you to gain something that'll go away than rather have something that'll last forever? The Bible tells us, whoever shall find life must first be willing to lose his. That we reap only after we sow. That we gain after we give. That we get after we sacrifice. But a selfish hand and a selfish heart will never know the greater gain. We just keep thinking what I have in my hand, the nickel is most important. God's model is for us to be willing to surrender so He can supply, so we can surrender, so He can supply. Proverbs 22, 9, He that hath a bountiful eye shall be blessed. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, He that soweth bountifully shall also reap bountifully. Why don't you put God to the test there and see if it's not true? The simple truth is in giving you get. You give love, you get love. You give encouragement, you get encouragement. You give to the Lord, and the Lord gives back to you. That's the way it works. And then number three, and I'll be finished. Now, I want you to listen to this. I, I, I think this is profound. It's amazing we don't get this. You will never have what you fail to provide for. You will never have 
what you fail to provide for. So many of us live wishing. I wish I could have that. I wish I could be that. I wish this would happen to me. I wish my marriage was better. I wish I had more time with my kids. You get the list, it's gone forever. We just live a life of wishing. When sometimes it just takes providing for the benefit or the thing you want. But that's not easy. No, but that's the price tag. We just hope somehow things will happen without ever buying them. If Walmart has something I want, I have to make an exchange for it. If I want a measure of health, there's things I have to say yes to and things I have to say no to. If I want a relationship with the people in the back pew back there, then that's going to cost me something in exchange for something else. We can't have everything, but you can have some things, and the some things you choose have to be provided for. I think people want love. I think people want acceptance. I think people want to be uh, befriended. I, I think people want relationships, but they don't provide for them. What do you mean? They don't give time to love. They don't love first. I want a friend, but they won't be a friend. I, I want to have retirement, but I will set things aside. I want to have treasure in heaven one day, but you won't lay a red cent towards it. And I'm not being unkind, I'm just saying it doesn't even make sense. You, you can't have that which you don't provide for, that you make a way for it to happen. We just want them to happen. Lots of people want to be healthy. They want to be athletic. They want to be energetic. They want to have whatever, but they don't live the life necessary to secure the, the item or the, the object that they want. I'm going to suggest to you today that today is simply an opportunity. I don't, I may be stretching, Lord knows. I think there's a treasure in a field right here. That's what I think. And I think you have the opportunity to invest in it. Okay? It's one application. And you're going to have to, look up here, you're going to have to make a choice. Am I going to keep this? Or am I going to help provide for this? I don't know if you think it's a need or not. I, 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 that's, that's for you to decide. I, I think providing the places for us to park, additional people to park, just make sure this church keeps going forward for another 50 years and the Lord doesn't come back. You, you have to decide if that's something worthy of your exchange. But I'm going to tell you this. Some of us are going to come tonight and we're going to make some exchanges. We're going to buy some pretty worthless stuff. <laughs> You're going to buy the most overpriced brownie you have ever seen. <laughs> You're going to give away money for a piece of paper in a keychain. I'm going to suggest to you it's quite possible that that's treasure in heaven. Because only God can do the math of how many people are going to park in a parking lot. How many of you and how many other people. Maybe one day your children. And they're going to come in here and they're going to hear the Bible. For as long as this church exists, they're going to hear a Bible truth presented from this text. 
and they're gonna go home and they're gonna make life changes and choices about that, and, and it, it may alter the course of their life. It may just keep good people keep doing good things for the Lord. Uh, you know, I'm just saying this. I wish the, 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 the hallway could look great. No, that's not where people sacrifice for that. I can just wish people keep coming here or I can provide for it. We can, or we can provide for it. And one day this carpet's going to wear out, we're going to provide for that. And, and the light's going to go out, we're going to replace the light bulbs. I mean, you get the idea. And you can choose whether or not you want to be a part of the great things that may happen here until the Lord comes back. It's just a choice. I just know this, for centuries people invested in the, the tabernacle and then the temple and the work of God in all kinds of ways. This is one way. And it's our way because of where we go to church. If you want treasures in heaven, if you want a great home, you want a future, whatever, you have to provide for it today. And so I'm going to ask you to think about that. And then I want to encourage you to come back and you make a choice. Let me ask you to stand.